Hey, everybody. We're glad you're joining us today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. Today, we've got Pastor Matt with us. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Glad you're doing well. We're going to unpack two sermons today. The first one, Glorious Design, Gender Identity Part 2. We took a week off, so let's um, let's start there. I think it's I think I got a lot out of this one. So these questions are going to be kind of, there's going to be a little bit of a setup. So okay. just want to prepare you for that. So my first question, Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Um, you commented a couple Sundays ago that we're created with great care and intentionality with love and goodness. Sin has damaged us, but we are created intentionally by God and God does not make mistakes. So the question would be, how do we communicate the truth of this psalm to people who struggle with gender identity, same-sex attraction, or even people with birth defects? Because we know people um, are sometimes born with both uh, sexes' genitalia, or when they feel or look so different than the people around them. How do we communicate that? Sure. I think how you communicate it to them depends on who you're communicating to in the setting. Um, if you're preaching to a, to a room full of people, I think you approach it differently because you have, you have to speak in generalities, even though you pull people in and say, um, all of us have uh, quirks and ticks and propensity to sin and issues with ourselves that are the result of fall and the result of the effects of sin in, in our own lives and in the world around us. Uh, for some that's more pronounced in areas than it is for others, um, but I think when when you're speaking specifically with someone, mm. if they're wrestling or struggling with that, I think you you start by doing a lot of listening and caring listening, and and let them express how they're feeling. And I don't I don't think it's I really don't think it's that that complicated. I think it's just assuring them that they are not an accident, mm. that God is not stunned, shocked, or disappointed by them, that they are every. In every way, they are as, as much created in the image of God yeah. and able to reflect Him as any other human being, regardless of um, whatever the particular issue is that they may struggle with or uh, mm. may, be, may, may even be deeply aware of in themselves that others aren't, Yeah, um, whether it's something physical or it's something emotional. Um, yeah, I just think constantly reassuring them and and guiding them back to the scriptures. What right. what does the scripture say? Yeah. Uh, and helping them realize the diversity of people that God uses in the Bible and as used uh, throughout history yeah. is really significant. I think too that that's such a hard when you're when you're faced with someone who's like I don't I don't line up with this. I don't line up with what God's word says and I really think you hit the nail on the head with listening. Mm -hmm. I have experienced just being able to see the Lord move in a conversation when I just shut up, <laughs> you know, yes, yeah. when you just, when you actually, when you listen without the, the burden of, I have to fix you. Yes. And I think a big, and I say this a lot, I sound like a broken record, I know, but the Holy Spirit, we're never going to outrun needing the Holy Spirit in these conversations. No. Yes. Um, and I think, I think the listening is the beginning of that for a lot of Christian people. It is. And listening is where friendship really begins. Yes. Listening is the soil that friendship grows in when, right. you, when you first start. 
Um, almost all great friendships, if you think about when they started with you, they obviously started with some commonality of personality and, mm-hmm. and likes and dislikes, but also with someone that you feel like hears you yeah. and, and gets you. Yeah. And I think that's really significant for people who uh, are struggling in an area. And I think also um, reminding myself, if I'm looking at Scripture and I say, I don't match this, just reminding myself that how I feel or perceive myself is has to be sifted through the truth of God's Word, right. not vice versa. I don't sift God's Word through my feeling or my perception. Yeah. I, I have to sift my feeling and my perception through Scripture because Scripture tells me the truth about me, Yeah, even when I don't feel it. And so, so much of, of this is not about understanding why um, God does or says what He does, but learning to... Um, learning to accept who says it. Yeah. Can I trust him? Yes. Can I trust him even if I don't understand this? Yes. I, I think it's the bigger is the bigger issue. Yeah, that's such a testament, I think, to the Lord when you can say to someone, look, I know like the feeling doesn't line up. Um, but when I'm reading God's word, I know that I have to sift myself through yes. what he says. And I think that just takes the pressure off. That's that's really good feedback. Um, all right, question two. One of the sermon points from this week was gender is expressed across a spectrum of personality traits and characteristics. For this point, we discussed how gender stereotypes can hinder the gospel message to some and even drive them to a tribe. Um, how do we balance this point? So this was a couple weeks ago, so the, yes. the part one. How do we balance this point with this week's sermon point? Um, honor the distinctiveness of being created male and female. So where do those yeah. two intersect and where do they break off? That's a really good question. And part of the hard thing about having to, to split a message into yeah. sort of on-the-spot live time is when you have to split two specific points like that that were meant to Coincide. meant to come together in, in one message leaves a lot of room for that. And so I think that's, that's a really good question. Um, I would start by saying both, both are absolutely true that, and, and we know this intuitively that maleness and femaleness expresses itself in all of our lives across a spectrum of emotion, personality, character traits, uh, manifestations in, in life so that we can't say men are this, that, and the other, and mm-hmm. women are this, that, and the other based on traits uh, or personalities. And I think the church has been really narrow on that. I think we have, the church is sometimes uh, at her best when she's responding to issues that she's forced to respond to, but not when she's reacting. And I think we, I think so we reacted to the sexual revolution of the 60s and the 70s by really drilling down uh and creating very narrow categories for what it means to be a man and means to be a woman. Right. And so if you if you were growing up in a Christian household or you were in the church and you're like, man, this is what the church tells me a man is. Mm-hmm. And this is what the church tells me a woman is. But I don't enjoy, and, and usually it was around certain things, right? right. You know, men are going to want to play baseball and start fires and blow things up and shoot guns. Well, what if you're not a man that enjoys that thing, those kinds of things? And, and same could be true uh, for stereotypical um, kinds of female activities, then you we cause people to doubt their maleness or femaleness, right. their unique gender that God's given them. And especially over the last 10 to, to 20 years, what they have found is an LGBT uh, crowd, tribe, community willing to say, oh, 
come come to us, come over here. Mm-hmm. We accept everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Now they find that the idea of accepting everyone is a farce in any tribe or community. For sure. Um, but I but I I do think we know that to be true. We also know to be true that there is such a thing as as males and females, as mm-hmm. men and women. And so when we're looking at that, particularly in the context of uh, 1 Corinthians 11 that we were looking at, Paul seems does seem to be concerned with, uh, with us conducting ourselves, especially as a church community, within the bounds of our given culture and our given place in history um, in a way that's in line with what communicates maleness and femaleness. Mm-hmm. So we know that in the United States now, men don't wear dresses and skirts and we don't put makeup on our face. Those just aren't things that males do that men do. That doesn't signify maleness in our culture. Uh, in other cultures around history at times, that has not so much dresses, but skirts mm-hmm. and things like that have been part of what men did. And the same for women. And and we know that changes across time. We talked about right. that. 40, 50 years ago, you didn't see many women with tattoos. Right. Now you see you don't see many young women without them. Mm-hmm. So that does shift. But there seems to be a concern um, in the New Testament very clearly that when when we are followers of Christ as disciples of Jesus, our calling and God's mandate on our lives is that we reflect uh, the the biological sex in our gender that that we've been given by God. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I really think the Samuel Johnson quote helps a lot where he says, we don't know the exact moment uh, when daytime becomes nighttime or when nighttime becomes daytime or darkness becomes light, light becomes darkness. But that doesn't mean that there's no such thing as darkness and light, no such thing as daytime or nighttime. Yeah. And I think that's true for gender. Yeah. Um, that, uh, And I think we all know it. Mm-hmm. We all know when someone is dressing, acting, in, in ways that are counter to mm-hmm. uh, our culture or a given culture's accepted norms for maleness or femaleness. And all cultures have it, and all cultures have had it throughout history. Right. And so God wants us in the church to be very clear um, that he creates us as human beings, male and female, mm-hmm. that genders are distinct, though expressed across a spectrum, um, right. and that we are to uh, to conduct ourselves in ways that express uniquely our maleness or femaleness uh, in the culture in which we live. Right. Right. So the second sermon point, uh, respond with both compassion and conviction seems to be a mix of art and science, right? Grace and truth. It seems like our conversations need to be specific, factual, and yet subjective, empathetic. Uh, based on the situation and relationship with other people. Um, you commented that we need to examine our motivation and let the Holy Spirit work, which we talked about a little bit. Um, so, and we have mentioned this, but I just want to kind of hone in on it. What are some practical ways, you know, in the middle of those conversations or when you're just even thinking about having the conversation, how can you examine your motivation and let the Holy Spirit work in order to demonstrate compassion and conviction? Like, how can we kind of lay down ourselves to the Holy Spirit? Sure. I want to start first by commenting on your um, idea that it's art and science. I think it's fully art. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. I, I think it's it's absolutely um, personal. I think it's absolutely guided by the Holy Spirit. And and I think it's as simple as in the part of what it means to be a human being, to to have personhood rather than being part of uh, other aspects of God's creation, the animal kingdom, they don't have the ability to think about what they're thinking about. We do as human beings. Mm-hmm. They they simply act on instinct. 
uh, so I can be in a conversation with you and be asking the Holy Spirit to help me. Right. And I think it 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 really is as simple um, as that, as being in a conversation and saying, God, help me. God, guide me. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I don't think, I think it's difficult in the, the moment of a conversation to be discerning my motive. Yeah. But I think it's really important following that, especially in the context that we were talking about it. Um, in whether or not we use someone's preferred pronoun when we know it does not line up to their, right. their biological sex and whether whether or not we're affirming a lie in their life and something that we know to be untrue and we believe, uh, like, like it, again, I say, we're, we're submitting our feelings to the truth of Scripture and trusting that Scripture does guide mm-hmm. us into human flourishing uh, in God's will and saying, do, do we do we then not or... Am I doing this out of love? Am I doing this out of fear? I think a lot, I would say culturally, a lot of people, my observation is, are are reacting out of fear, that they're afraid of being chastised. They're afraid of being called something. Mm-hmm. Um, they're afraid of losing a job. They're afraid of losing a friend. So they're sort of going along yeah. with, especially when it comes to gender, kind of this cultural insanity that we're in. Right. Where, where everyone can be everything or anything or nothing or everything, anything and nothing shifting around week by week. And right. it's wildly destructive to the human psyche. It's destructive to society. Right. So I, I don't know that I have a better answer than to say be prayerful in the moment and reflective after. Right. Um, and, and be prepared, like act out of your reflection. Once once you leave a situation, and I think we've all been there where we've said something or thought something, and then you're driving away or you're walking late, and you're like, why did I do that? Yeah. Why did I say that? I, I really think just opening our hearts to God, God is good. Yeah. And when we're opening ourselves to him, he's going to speak to us. Right. And I think he'll give us a clear answer. I trust that he does. Yeah. Hey, you know, you need to work on your motivation here. Yeah. Or trust trust that response, that, that was the right response. Well, and if I can speak to it a little bit, just my experience too. I think in the moment when I have that panic of, Oh God, what do I do here? Don't mess this up. The, I think the Lord's kind of taught me if you're not sure, just be quiet. Mm -hmm. And, and we talked about that when you listen, um, it just, it just opens doors, not just for the person you're talking to, but for you to experience the Lord. Like if you don't know, just hush. Yes. Hush, yeah. listen, and I don't think I've ever been in a conversation where I've decided to lay down that anxiety that the Lord has not met me there. Yes. Ever. Um, yeah, no, I, I would agree. All right, so the last sermon point, and this question was sent in to us, um, commit to be people of love and friendship for the long haul seems to broaden the old familiar statement, love the sinner, not the sin. Our love for the sinner shouldn't be short-lived. It needs to be an intentional, loving friendship that lasts for a long time. So how do we balance a long-term loving friendship with someone without appearing to endorse the lifestyle or affirm it in any way? Sure. I think starting out just by remembering that what people need, what all people need, including us, is Jesus. Yes. They don't need us to fix an area of their life. They don't need us to make them straight if they're gay. Mm. They don't need us to fix um, their their natural uh, attraction or gender confusion. They need need Jesus. And so all of us are on a lifelong journey in that way. All of us are are battling temptation in areas. All of us are battling um, ideas and thinking that that is a bit crooked 
and needs to be needs to be corrected and straightened out uh, by Scripture. Um, I don't know that there's any other way to do to do life. If mm-hmm. we, if we're well, if we're telling people you've got to fix this and fix that, right. and you and you must do it within three months or right. a year, I just I don't see any any model for that in scripture. We're doing life together. And what I'm, what we're talking about here is life in the church, life as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we welcome people in, we welcome them in where they are um, and point them to Jesus and point them to Jesus and point them to Jesus. And we listen um, and we love and we do it for the long term. Right. And and what I what I mean by that is we may we may listen and love and and be in friendship with people whose um natural attractions are never going to change. Mm-hmm. So what I think I was trying to communicate is we have to be comfortable with that and see them as a whole person. Yeah. Um whose whose entire um set of needs and temptations uh and and humanness is met with Jesus' goodness and sufficiency. Mm. Uh, and we're going to love them where they are, just as we need them to love us where we are. Right. And we, uh, regardless of our struggle, um, that's God brings about sanctification as we love one another through um, seasons of life empowered by the Holy Spirit, and God changes us in time. Yeah. So this this is a good question to kind of pivot to. I was going to say yesterday we're filming this. Monday, you're going to see it Wednesday, but this week's sermon, um, I think it was really hard, and I I don't necessarily think it was like the wrong thing, but it was really hard for some of us to hear. You should not go to a gay person's wedding. Yeah, and that and I and I think that's going to be a wrestle for some. So and and I do understand, um, you can't in good conscience affirm the lifestyle. You can't affirm that marriage as something that's not going to be destructive. But I think where I struggled a little bit is the people in my life are have no question about how I feel about it. Have no que- and some of them have no question about how the Bible feels about it. Yeah. So my question would be in order to to save the relationship is it ever I mean is it ever okay or is it like no I'm making this stance and I'm going to sacrifice it for Jesus. Like can you could you ever see a gray area there? So I'd say a couple of things about that. One, if saving the relationship requires you on their end, if mm-hmm. they require to for you to be in a relationship with them, for you to show up and showing up, you cannot say that you go to a wedding for any other reason but to affirm and celebrate what's happening. That's why weddings are public. That's why friends and family are invited is to affirm and celebrate the union that's taking place. And so if I, I would I would put the weight of that on the person um, in your life who is having a, a so-called same-sex wedding in marriage to say if if their attitude and heart towards you right. is such that if you don't come to that and you don't affirm because that's that's what they're wanting. Mm-hmm. Is is your attendance for affirmation right. of what they're doing? If their attitude is such that they're going to cut off relationship with you because you don't come, right? I, <laughs> brothers and sisters in Christ, have accepted this for two thousand years now. Right. That to follow Jesus is going to mean always 
potentially means the loss of family or friends. Right. I just think we are not spiritually prepared for it. Yeah. We, we're not used to it. And we're, we're so inundated in a culture that says that's an unloving thing. Yeah. And so it's very hard for us to to hear the, the voice of God through Scripture above the voice of our culture right. that says um, we should show up and do that. I just, I don't think we can. I don't even think this is a gray area. I, I, I really believe that. Um, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's an area where we say, well, then there are a lot of gray areas. We're mm-hmm. Christians, and we've talked about this on this podcast with regard to this series. Right where Christians are going to differ and they're going to differ in good conscience right. and they're going to get uh, differ based on, on solid biblical convictions and they need to respond out of that conviction. Right. Some of that is around the, the, the pronoun uh, issue yeah. with people. I don't think this is a great one. Uh, weddings are public. Weddings are public for affirmation and celebration of the union that's taking place. Mm-hmm. Scripture calls that not only sinful, but an absolutely bogus union. It is not a marriage. Right. Um, and so for Christians to show up and affirm this is a marriage by my mm-hmm. very presence right. and I affirm it and celebrate it, I don't know how we can do that. I yeah. don't know how we can do it. God does. And we'll be more clear about this this coming Sunday as we deal with the issue of human sexuality mm-hmm. in general. Um, we cannot condone through our presence, um, through affirmation and celebration, what God clearly consistently and without exception call sin uh, and labels quite destructive uh, mm-hmm. sin. So, yeah. I, and, and I'm, I'm not minimizing the difficulty of it. I'm not minimizing the right. pain that may be involved in it. I'm, I'm simply saying we, ha- we have to have our allegiance to Jesus bef- before all. Yeah. And I do think if um, I think if friends and family are in our life and they love us, we have it's not an unrealistic expectation yeah. that they not ask us to affirm things that our deepest spiritual convictions yeah. um, and faith beliefs uh, would counter. Well, and, and I'll be clear, too. I think a lot of it is the fear of it ending the relationship. At least sure. the people in my life would never say, I'm never going to talk to you again if you don't, sure. you know, affirm this. But I, I think it, I think it's a big fear because and maybe it's misguided, like, it's not conviction, it's just fear, but I think it's like you don't want to lose your voice with that person. So, but I get what you're saying. It makes sense to me that, you know, weddings are literally there to affirm. That's yes. the whole point. And, it, and in a sense, you, maybe you don't lose your voice in terms of losing your relationship, but you certainly compromise your voice. Yeah. Um, and what, what we don't do is take such a stand in a loving but a clear way that causes if, if the people in our lives, it's incredibly dangerous for the souls of people who believe they are Christ followers Mm -hmm. and are fully engaging this lifestyle because the, the apostle Paul makes very clear in first Corinthians six, that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. That if this, um, and there are a number of things obviously listed there, but this, this issue is one. If this characterizes you, if you've given yourself to this, you're not a child of God. That you will not inherit the kingdom of God. There are huge, huge things at stake here. Right. And so, if uh, people are engaging without um, without reflection, without repentance, Mm -hmm. without resistance, this lifestyle um, 
as well as other patterns of sin and giving no thought to it and, and again, no repentance. Um, one of the things that you would hope would happen by Christians living with an allegiance to Jesus is that it wakes them up, mm-hmm. that it wakes them up, that Christ followers are, are willing to say more and more and more, we will not engage in this. We will not yeah. condone this and support this. Yeah. We will not pretend like this is just an issue where you may feel one way and we may feel another way. Right. Right. Um, so would you say it, it is important though, like the way, because you, I think you just said this, the way you go about saying, Hey, I can't do that. Like, yes, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I think it matters. And I think it, um, obviously the closer you are to someone, the more that matters. Right. If you get a, if you get a wedding invitation from someone you're, that you're not that close to, yeah. uh, there's lots of weddings we don't go to. Right. I don't go to all that I cannot go to, Right. but, um, but yeah, I think it matters. Uh, and, and I think it's important. Again, it's so terribly important. If uh, it's just so hard for me to even wrap my, wrap my wrap my mind around this. Yeah. If the, if they believe they're Christians, if they believe they're in a right standing with God and they're right. pursuing this lifestyle and giving themselves to it, it's so important. Right. Um, that Christ followers, um, not. Yeah. Not create any more confusion about that to them. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I would say for for those who are not Christ followers, they need to see a very distinct difference. Yeah. Between the church and, and our culture. And this should be in one area where they yeah. see a very distinct difference that isn't hateful. And yeah. this is where Christians, have, the church has got to hear the voice of truth. Yeah, to say no to that yeah. is not to be hateful. Yeah. It's just simply not. To go to that, to to affirm someone on the path of their destruction is hateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go further to say it's sinful when yeah. we know better. Yeah. Um. Okay, so... Pivoting to like the what marriage is discussion, um, yes. I got a crap ton out of that, so I have my little notepad here. But okay. um, one thing I, that really stood out to me, you said making marriage an ultimate or making an ultimate of marriage is idolatry. Can you talk about that some more? Because I think that's a really big deal. <laughs> yes. Um, our culture... It's a very oh, strange thing. One more thing. Just so talk about it and how it relates to singleness, like specifically. Yes. And that's something that I wish I had had more time to to address because both Jesus and Paul in Scripture elevate singleness um, in a way that it was not elevated in their culture and that the church has not done a good job with. Right. We've not done a good job uh, with putting before people viable, Christ-honoring, compelling ways to live mm-hmm. either in faithful singleness mm-hmm. or faithful marriage. Yeah while acknowledging that it seems to be that God's plan for most people is faithful marriage. Yeah. But it is not his plan for everyone. And we have a lot of examples examples of both men and women, even in modern church history, um, who have chosen singleness to the glory of God and to the benefit of his kingdom, whether um, it's a, a John Stott or um, Henry Nowen or... Amy Carmichael, or, you know, you could go down this list. Yeah. But I think we need to be a lot better at that, and we need to be a lot better at encouraging and um, pointing out the significance that our um, single brothers and sisters in Christ bring yeah. to the body of Christ. Um, then with the issue of marriage being a, an idol. It's funny that it's funny that both in the church now, if you look at if you look at church statistics carefully, the divorce rate is not the same in the church that it is outside the church. It's, mm-hmm. it's considerably lower among active, faithful church 
members right. than it is outside the church. But we we know that we we all trash marriage a bit. We just, right. we make mistakes. We um, we mess up in it. Uh, but I think even in the church and in the culture that we exist, there's a certain uh, there's a certain elevation of marriage that like you know everybody basically should be married unless yeah. you have issues. Yeah. Um, and and if you're not, then then you must just have some kind some kind of an issue, oh, and that's just absolutely not true. Yeah. It's not a it's certainly not a biblical view. It's not even a rational one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then a lot of Christians are brought up certainly, um, sort of a, almost kind of a, a tailored for that day. Yeah. And, and waiting for that day when their life will be complete and they and they and they're married. Can I tell you all the books that I read in high school when God writes your love story? Great book, but geez Louise. Yes. Yes. And a lot of us coming out of kind of the 80s 90s purity culture that was uh, an abysmal failure. Um I, I think have felt that and and you get it and what what uh, making an making marriage an ultimate does is it fails at the foundational level to understand what marriage is really mostly about right and it creates expectations in us then that that don't point us through marriage to Christ but almost cause us to, to live in a disgruntled state with our spouse yeah wondering why they're not fulfilling me like this spouse on Instagram is uh, for their spouse or like the the couple is and when you our our, our culture is completely confused on marriage mm-hmm. from the bachelor and the bachelorette uh, to Instagram life, it's completely confused. The only place we can go to understand the beauty and the power and the boundaries and the purpose and design of marriage is the Bible. Yeah. And I think that creates in us uh, both better marriages yeah. and and helps us be more faithful disciples of Jesus. Right. But there is a lot of idolatry, um, a lot of elevating the marriage above everything else. Yeah. And it, and it is our, should be our highest human relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do it not only with marriage, we do it certainly with family and kids. Right. Oh. Uh, to a large degree. I would never elevate my children <laughs> to a status of idolatry. That's right. Um, so I want to stay on this a little bit. So sure. we have a good Clarify. single population in our, in our church. Yes. And so what would you say to those who are single, not by choice? Um, because I, I I do think there's a certain amount of despair that comes with it. And look, I felt this despair at 18. I was like, I'm never going to get married, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and again, speaks to the idolatry. But there are those who have wanted to be married, and it has just not never, not never. Lord have mercy, my Louisiana's <laughs> coming out. Um, it's never been kind of a thing that they've been able to partake in. Sure. What would you say to them about marriage and about how they live in this culture? I would start by saying God sees them, God hears them, God hears um, the unmet yearnings of their hearts. Mm. Uh, I'd say we see them. Yeah. We should see them better. We hear them. We should hear them better. Mm. Um, And I would encourage them in the pain and in the unmet longings to push deeper into Jesus and to trust him. Yeah to trust him. Um, And what I'm about to say, I don't say to minimize um, their longings because it, that can be very extreme. Yeah. But most of us are going to experience some, some unmet expectations in our lives that are 
or significant expectations and have been deeply unmet. Yeah. And we have to decide what we do with that. Yeah. Uh, what does life look like when it's not working out like I like I thought it would? Yeah. And so I would just encourage them colloquially to say, God knows where you are and what time it is. Mm. And don't don't waste don't waste your singleness. Yeah. Um, waiting for something else. Yeah. Push into Christ. Use the time. Yeah. Um, for His glory and trust Him with that area of your life. And and. Um. Uh, really press into Christian friendships. Yeah. Um. There, there are obviously are, are many different kinds of relationships in our lives. Yeah. But God intends to meet many deep yearnings, not all of them, but many of our deep yearnings, many of our, um, of our deepest needs for community through brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. That's His design in the church, and so that's uh, I think is what I would say. No, that's a really good word. I'm I'm thinking about like we all have unmet longings and yearnings and I think that just kind of spans this whole topic. Like the culture today says if there's something unmet, use the people around you to get it met. Um if you're not if you're not feeling totally fulfilled, then your sexuality is how to do it. Yes. That's the yes. that's the bottom line of where we're at and I think that's the big lie is and that's why marriage has been under attack spiritually for so many years cuz I think when you have a wrong view of it it just it distorts it distorts everything because our culture is so based around it even in the church and I just I think it's really good to to remember that married or unmarried gay, straight, lesbian, otherwise, you will always have unmet longings yes. this side of heaven. Yes. And I, I think that's really important to to highlight. Yeah. Um, okay, let me look at my list again. There was a quote, I don't remember who it was from, we need God's spirit word people in order to navigate these tender places well. Yes. So are there, and I'm putting you on the spot, are there specific places in God's word that we can go? And obviously we've been preaching on it every week, but is there a verse or a few verses or books of the Bible that come to mind in order to keep us kind of centered on this, our identity is in Christ, centered on uh, the Holy Spirit moving? Yeah. I'm probably not going to give a satisfactory answer to that <laughs> okay, to, most cool. people, to most people listening to this. Yeah, that was Rachel, Rachel Gilson. Okay. Um, who said that? And, I, and she said that particularly in the context of um, the the instructions laid out in Ephesians five for husbands and wives. Okay. And uh, if I remember remember correctly, when it when we're dealing with what submission looks like, yes, and what may have been in a, in a particular woman's past with regard to abuse or to other issues like that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a I think it's a beautiful quote. Um, I think it. Um, its application goes far beyond that very narrow context. Yes, we need yeah. God's word, God's spirit, and God's people mm -hmm. to navigate these these very tender places. Um, when it comes to specific verses or, or, or books, my answer is not going to be satisfactory because I think when it comes to the identity, to, to our identity being in Christ, mm -hmm. it's not a specific verse or book. It's a theological issue that begins in Genesis true, and works its way through Scripture. And I think we, I really believe we have to start there. Mm -hmm. We have to start with Genesis 1 and 2 and 
and receive what God is teaching us there yeah. about the world that he created and the way in which he created it. Yeah. Um, and then move forward there. Um, so it's, I know it's not satisfactory. No, that's um, good. And there, you know, there, there are places obviously that are, you know, uh, when you when you think about issues of identity, Romans is going to be more helpful than Lamentations. Um, <laughs> Good, that's as, yes. As are the 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 shorter letters of Paul. Paul's in Christ language is very significant here. Mm. Um, as as is Jesus' descriptions of who he is: our shepherd, our friend. Shepherd shepherds know. Um, the animals, that sounds funny, but they know those that they are in charge of. Mm -hmm. They know them well. There's a protectiveness um, and a sense of understanding of the weight of provision that a shepherd feels. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is communicating all of that when he's talking about being our shepherd. Uh, when he talks about being our friend, mm -hmm. it's it's a fascinating, should be a sort of a, a soul shattering thing to think of God as our friend. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that look like? How does it work itself out? Right. So, and, and I would say, I think part of where we've gone wrong the last 40 or 50 years, maybe longer, 75 years with scripture has been, we've, we have, um, we focus too much on specific verses or specific book study and too little on, um, the wider scope theologically of what's happening in scripture and how yeah. little story is defined by that big story. Right and understanding who God is and who we are. And I think we bring that into marriage, yeah. uh, which is why uh, we've we've misunderstood um, God's purpose in marriage so much. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that is uh, an unsatisfying. No, that answer. that's really helpful. I think that's good. Um, so one more question. Is there anything about this week's sermon that we didn't cover that you want to speak to? You can uh -huh. take a minute to, <laughs> but we only have a few minutes, so. Yes. Um, there's obviously a lot that, uh, proverbially speaking, falls on the cutting floor. But there was a significant amount this week when it comes to marriage because I was having to address it from so many different angles. And yep. the the big issue that you have to address right now, because it's being pushed on the church to address, is right. the, the issue of same-sex marriage. And is that even a marriage? And um, even if we don't believe it is a marriage, should it be legislated or not? There's a lot of questions around right. that. There are a lot of uh, Judeo-Christian ethics that are legislated. I mean, there's a reason we don't murder and, and, and theft is a crime. Right. Um, there are other things that are not, you know, uh, Christian teaching around um, generosity is not legislated. Mm -hmm. uh, adultery is not, not legislated. It's not illegal to commit adultery. Um, if I'd had more time, I, I would have liked to have talked more about um, marriage as a foundational um, building block of human society and why there is so much at stake at calling unions that are not marriage a mm. marriage, unions that have no capacity um, for reproduction, uh, unions that do not place a, 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 a father and a mother, a husband and a wife in a home. We, they, we have hundreds of studies now. Right. Hundreds of studies that all say the same thing, that in general, the vast majority of the time, yeah. uh, children and communities do better with households that have a mother and a father in it. Mm -hmm. Not a father and a father, not a mother and a mother, not a single mom or single dad, um, though I know there are a lot of those households and they're doing the very best that they can. And they'd be the first to say yeah. this would be, it would be far more helpful for there to be 
a husband and a wife, mother and father present. So uh, without doing an entire other podcast, and I really (laughs) appreciate the opportunity um, to, to do that because there is a lot that you just have to let go of and that you can't bring in. But I I would, I would say this too, and then I'll, I'll I'll stop with this, but (laughs) part of what, it's hard for me to say part of what I think God's doing, part of what God may be doing in raising up voices like Sam Alberry mm-hmm. and Rebecca McLaughlin and Rachel Gilson and Christopher Yawn and others mm-hmm. is he is not only giving guiding voices to the church in this time right now who um, all have a natural um, attractions for the same sex and are deeply committed to submitting that mm-hmm. to the Lordship of Christ in their lives. Yeah. And it's looking differently. Um, some of them, uh, it, it looks like a faithful single life. Some of them, it's looking like a faithful married life. And just for the church to even understand that, right. what does it look like to have a faithful married life when your primary natural attraction is for people of the same sex? Yeah. Yet God, in His beauty and grace, has united you in a marriage union, a covenant marriage, mm-hmm. husband and wife for the long haul. What does that look like? Yeah. I think they're beautiful examples. And I would say the other side of that is they are pulling. I want to be careful how I say this. They are removing the excuse that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ might have mm. for not living faithfully for Christ. Right due to gender confusion or due to um, issues of same-sex attraction, because God is putting men and women right in the front of the church right now. Yeah. A, a growing number of them, um, Jackie Hill Perry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, I could just continue to, to name them. Yeah. Who are, who are, seem to be anointed, gifted, godly examples. Yeah. So that, we are in in a Romans one sense without excuse, right? In a way that I think is is going to heighten um, the accountability, yeah, uh, of men and women wrestling with this because God is giving us really good examples, yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, I, I just I'm grateful for that in so many different ways. Same, uh, strengthened by them. Uh, and grateful for their openness and their honesty yeah. um, around these issues. Well, I really appreciate how you've addressed all this. I know it has not been easy to attack this topic, so I appreciate you getting in the trenches. Um, that's going to be a wrap for us. If you enjoyed today's conversation, share it with a friend so they can join us as we unpack more topics next week, and we hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.